0: Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boyd. Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk ninety four point five.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd. It is Saturday, February 27, 2021. One day left in the great month of February. It is 7.07 on your Saturday morning. Welcome to the show. I am Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis & Boyd right here in Myrtle Beach. I'm your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. Thanks for getting your Saturday morning going with us. At Saturday Morning Coffee, we invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite Java, your favorite coffee. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the things happening in your world. And my, oh my, what a world it is. What we have to talk about today here at Saturday Morning Coffee, as you guys already know, we are all about limited government, lower taxes, and uh, good little d democratic constitutional government that protects your liberty, your rights, your freedoms, all the things that protect your right to be free and pursue life, liberty, and happiness on your terms. Uh, we've got a country to save, and it starts right here on the local level, right here in this studio. It does every Saturday, and it not, not, not only in this studio, but right in your living room, right at your kitchen table, folks. That's where saving the country starts, and it works up from there. So let's get to it. Uh, it is, uh, again, Saturday morning coffee, folks, and we're here to uh, share with you a lot this week. got a lot, lot to talk about, a lot going on. And um, But we invite you to uh, join us at any time. Let us know what's on your mind. You can dial us on the uh, call-in lines at 843-903-2945. You can also text your comments to us on the pcrxcomputers.com text line. You can also tweet me your comments or parlay me. You can parlay me on Parler. That's at Reese Boyd 3. You can tweet your comments. I still have a tweet, Twitter account. You can tweet me at at Reese Boyd. Most of you are not using Twitter. I encourage you to get off of Twitter. Email me your comments if you like to S M C at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Also, you can feel free if you are more of a normal business hours sort of person. You can call me during normal business hours. A lot of you have reached out to us um, about Saturday morning coffee at the law firm of Davis and Boyd, where I can be found usually Monday through Friday, normal business hours. That number is 843-839-9800. That's 843-839-9800. So um, check in with me there. Always love to hear from you guys. Gotten a lot of of good friends uh, listening to the show. So it's been a really interesting time. A lot of fun. Enjoy talking to you guys. Love to hear your comments about the show, what you like, what, What additional things you'd like to hear about. Some of you already checking in on the pcrxcomputers.com text line. Will down at Coastal Sports. Good morning, Will. Hope you're doing well. Tim, the car detail guy, checking in. Uh, Aldi morning roast. Well, very good, Tim. Aldi morning roast. I haven't tried any, excuse me. I haven't tried any Aldi coffees. So, uh, I'll have to be on the lookout for that. So, thanks for checking in. What are you drinking this morning, Mr. Producer? <laughs> uh, Lavazza. Oh, uh, you got your Lavazza. Yeah,
2: but uh, <clears> you <throat> got to go to Aldi to get Aldi roast. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't shop at Aldi.
1: So yeah, I, cool. assume, <clears> throat> throat> I
2: assume. <clears throat> goodness gracious,
1: excuse me. Aldi, I would assume, is available <laughs> at Aldi. So. Morning, Tim. What's going on, brother? Yeah. Kenny, the equipment guy, checking in. Um, actually, uh, I, have got a, I have got a crate of uh coffee beans what a crate coming in they're in transit coming in from the doca estate down in Costa Rica so when I um when I get those coffee beans I'm gonna do some grinding and, I bet you and we're gonna get a crate yeah, I'm gonna give you some I'm gonna bring you some <laughs> okay and uh, I'm gonna bring you some doca estate coffees <laughs> And we'll grind a few bags. Uh, we'll give them away here on the program. Let you guys try some Doka Estate coffee from Costa Rica.
2: I'm imagining like a, a forklift lifting it off the truck. No, no, no no, 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 no. You
1: need to imagine Juan Valdez walking up into the Costa Rican mountains with the his, two mule. Bags yeah, with his side, mule. Yeah, with his mule. That's what that's what's happening right yeah. now. Juan is is handpicking those beans. Only the freshest Only beans. Only the freshest beans. That's right. Uh, so we'll look, uh, we'll look, I'm looking forward to that. Mm. And... Uh, and and of course this morning I'm drinking uh, I'm drinking Bones this morning it's, ah. it's very good um, Bones coffee if you guys haven't tried it give it a shot um, it's I think it's BonesCoffee.com but if you Google Bones coffee it'll come up uh, some of our friends like the Guatemalan variety mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Guatemalan variety of on Bones and then my wife loves the smorey time. Yeah, time. You've mentioned s'morey time before. Yeah. S'morey time is her favorite. But when you order, if you go online and you order Bones Coffee, when you order the coffee, uh, in the comment section, I think you'll get a, uh, an opportunity to uh, share your thoughts. Uh, tell them you heard about Bones Coffee on Saturday morning coffee. And I'm trying to get them to come on board as a sponsor. If nothing else, uh, if they don't come on as a full fledged sponsor they may just send us some coffee from time to time to give away so hey something in it for y'all you guys win either way yeah actually we
2: want your money and your coffee
1: yeah we'll take your money and your coffee but if we can't have your money we'll just take your coffee and we'll give it away so it's good stuff but you guys will enjoy uh bones coffee if you try it i have it's one of my favorites if not if not my favorite i love and i love still loving the lavazza that that tim brought to the show very good stuff so a lot to talk about today, folks. A lot going on in the world. It's a, a, a crazy world that we live in, and it's getting crazier by the moment. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, You know me, Glenn, I love to be prepared uh, for the show. And I'm not unprepared today, but it's like last night we went out to, um, came home, and I had a, it was a long week at the offices of Davis and Boyd. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, let's see, two virtual hearings and three Virtual mediations. Now, if you don't practice law, folks, and and I have a brief due next week at the court of appeals, so that's like imagine writing maybe your thesis in college. If (laughs) if you've never written a brief for the court of appeals, it's about it's about forty pages long. It needs to be shorter. I'm working I'm working on shortening it, but that's so that's like a thesis, two two hearings, and three. if you don't practice law, trust me, that's a lot of that's a lot of work in one week. And so, uh, which reminds me of another question. I'm, I'm going to be all over the board, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to flit around a little bit today. But I came home. We went home. I went home last night, and we got everybody in the car. So we decided we were hungry. We're going to ride down to Merle's Inlet, and, or ride into the Inlet, and have some pizza with Uncle Mikey. Um, another business that I want to encourage y'all to sponsor, head down into the Inlet if you haven't been to Uncle Mikey's. Um, you need to go see Uncle Mikey and get some great pizza. He's right there, kind of where near, very near where the River City Cafe is, mm-hmm. down in the old Merle's Inlet, near the uh, you know kind of what I call downtown Merle's Inlet. All right. Um, and so we went to Uncle Mikey's. Had I had the I had the eggplant parmesan last night. Excellent, excellent. Always everything on Uncle Mikey's menu is excellent. You won't be disappointed. And when you go in, tell Uncle Mikey you heard. You heard about Uncle Mikey's on the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I will appreciate that. Um, But we went in, we had some Uncle Mikey's, good stuff. And I got home last night. And, I mean, it was just, it had been that week, all that stuff crammed into one, uh, one week. And I was just brained it. And uh, I usually get my show prep going. We'll sit down. I'll watch uh, Tucker. I'll watch Tucker's monologue on Friday night. Yeah. That gets me fired up mm-hmm. about what's going on in the world. That, that sort of gets me in, in the right mindset for the show prep. And then I'll go do a few hours of show prep and I'll go to bed. And uh, so we did the Tucker and my wife looked at me and she saw the look on my face and she said, you need some sleep. Mm-hmm. So I went upstairs. I said, I'll go lay down for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. I went upstairs. I laid down and I don't think I moved again until about 6 o'clock this morning. I have
2: days like that. (laughs) I have days like that. And
1: so I I, I felt my wife tapping. Are you going to do your show? And I'm like, do I have a show? Yeah. And she's like, Saturday morning, coffee. (laughs) So... I had to uh, roll out of bed, and so that was, that's was that been my evening. But we got a lot to talk about today, folks. Uh, we, and we've got a great show coming up for you. We're going to be joined by Drew McKissick. Drew is the chairman of the SCGOP. We're going to be joined by Dave Wilson. Dave is the chairman, the CEO of Palmetto Family Council in Columbia. He's going to be talking about the heartbeat bill and the Equality Act and some other stuff. And we're also going to be talking with Ken Richardson, going to be joining us here in the second hour. Ken is a candidate for... The 7th District Congressional seat, now held by Tom Rice. We'll be talking to Ken in the second hour of the show. Hope you'll stick with us. A lot going on. Stick with us. It's Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Die. Don't leave town. If you believe it,
0: if you receive it. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson Team. So, Greg, I've got a question for you. There are lots of real estate agents in this town. If somebody has property that
3: they need help selling, why should they choose the Greg Sisson Team? Well, that's a great question, and there are tons of realtors right now in the marketplace. Reese, I think it boils down to three things. Better communication, more peace of mind, and we handle all the details and that's that's certainly what sellers want in today's market and i think experience matters i mean 23 years here locally in the business and we understand pricing even in a hot market it's important to price the property correctly That's a great point, Greg. Folks, it's
1: the Greg Sisson team. Reach Greg at 843 251 2693 or schedule your appointment online at gregsisson.com. It's the Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand. Give them a call.
0: Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd radio hour is now two full hours. Full hours on Talk 94.5.
4: Alright, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new adventure. Something grabs some older me tidy, Flowing like an awful. Daily and nightly, will it ever stop y'all? I don't know. Turn off the lights. And I'll go to the extreme, i rock a mic like a band Light up the stage and wax a chalk like a candle dance Caress a speaker that booms, I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom deadly when I play a dope melody, anything less than the best It's a felony, love it to leave it, you better gain way, better hit boom. Kid don't play if it was a
1: problem, I Good morning, everybody. Ice. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. Vanilla the Reese Boyd ice. Radio Hour. 721 ice, on your Saturday morning. Ice, Welcome to the show. Still enjoying our our uh, bones coffee this morning here, and um, Glenn's Glenn's got his going. So, you know. The- uh-
2: the, it's something you didn't cover in the first segment: fifty-two yeah. degrees as they're waking up this morning. Oh yeah,
1: today is going to be
2: freaking gorgeous. A beautiful day. I mean, inland you're looking at close to eighty degrees. It's been since November since wow. we've seen eighty degrees. Wow. Uh, and about 71, 72 at the beach.
1: Yeah. So get out, enjoy yeah. that, enjoy that fine Myrtle Beach weather. To, good, good, good,
2: uh, good day to get out today and tomorrow because Monday you're getting back into the rain. Monday sixty percent, and uh, Wednesday forty percent of rain. So and,
1: and oh my goodness, we've had so much rain. Yeah, it's yep. just been it's been like uh, monsoon season around here and I you know I, I enjoy bike riding that's how I just kind of clears my head gets gets me and uh, gets my heart going and I've been sort of cooped up inside and because of the COVID thing I haven't really wanted to go to the gym so I'm, I, I'm I've i been feeling it I need to I need to get out so so yeah get out and enjoy the weather um, a lot going on and a lot to talk about you know there was something I was on the Liz show yesterday by the way uh, Liz has asked me to come on a few times uh, this coming week, so yeah, I'll, I'll be yeah, Me too. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. That's right. We'll both be doing some stints. Nick Summers will be out this week, yeah. so we'll be doing some stints to this uh, this coming week with Liz. I'll be driving the Winnebago. Yeah.
2: You know, when you take over for Nick, it's it's like a learning curve. It's a, it's like driving a different vehicle, uh, like a Winnebago. You know, you might turn a little too sharp, take out a street sign or something. Yeah, but we,
1: if you, you take, get used to it, yeah. If you take out a mailbox here or there, yeah. You know, I mean, he's learning. He's learning. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, yeah, so we were on the show Friday. I was guesting with her and the, um, uh, the subject came up of flooding and a couple of extraordinary things. And I just want to give a, a shout out to the folks over in City. quite a few shout outs to give today. I just know there are people out there who are struggling. Um, we just have a, we, we, we share the, the heavy heart that a lot of folks are feeling right now because their homes are either being flooded or in danger of being flooded my own sister and her husband included in that in that mix they live in that area and we were talking about uh, a couple of things glenn it occurred to me you know what has really been done there were, liz said something on her show that i thought was extraordinary she said first of all of course the w- floodwaters are on the rise i don't know i assume y'all have been out and about seeing the photos online but mm-hmm. conway a lot of, lot of flooding flooding in the waccamaw i think the waccamaw is supposed to crest wednesday i believe um, but there's more rain that has just been dropped into North Carolina into yep. the, into the watershed yep. so who knows where exactly the actual crest is going to be for all this but I, you know these people and I say these people these are our these are our family members these are our brothers our sisters our, our wives neighbors. our yeah. neighbors are, are getting washed out of their homes yet again I'm losing yeah. count of how many times these people have been flooded yeah and That's- and and it occurred to me as I was listening. Liz said something rather extraordinary. She said, "There's there's no monitoring station." You know, and I used to, I used to do a fair amount of um, river camping, kayak camping, so I would keep up with the um, with the DNR sites, the websites that you know all the various water flow places. And I need to get I need to get some people on the sh- on the show to talk about this issue. We'll, we'll we'll work on that. But Liz said something on her show that was she said there's no there's no flood water monitoring stations along the ICW, along the intracoastal in the, in the Socrates area. And I'm like, how can that be? And I'm assuming Liz is correct. I don't know what her source was for that, but I'm assuming she's correct. And then it occurred to me, you know, we had all the flooding during the last round and the, and Governor McMaster to his credit, he set up the floodwaters commission and they all, you know, and they all got together and they hobnobbed and they met and they, and I think they produced a report, but what has actually been done? What has actually been done to address this problem? Nothing. They keep building I got, houses. I got two I, mean, wo- I got two words for you. What's that? The first one is Jack, and the second one is squat. Right. Jack, squat. That's what's been done. And so I'm trying to figure out what do we have to do? Because I- I'm thinking about the one point nine trillion dollars, Glenn, that are being mm-hmm. spent. I mean if we if we've got six point nine billion dollars to study the mating habits of monarch butterflies in Pakistan, well, I think we can find some money to fix the flooding problem and frankly, there are other priorities that we've talked about or that we that we continually hear about. I'm thinking i seventy three right I don't really care about i seventy three as long as there are people in the county who have to rebuild their homes once every two years because they flood. Now, now, there may be, it may ultimately be that there's just nothing to be done about this. But there, you know, we've talked about, we've heard about diversion canals. I don't know if that is the answer or not. But we need to figure out what the, it, we, we need to figure out if there is an answer. Because we had, the, you know, the lieutenant governor was on the, on the uh, show as well. Uh, And we were and they were talking about this issue. And she she said, for example, we've got to clean our uh, drainage Mm -hmm. uh, easements. Yep. You know, a lot of them are are full of garbage and debris. Yeah. Then she said, you know, you you go into them, you pull out a tire, you pull out a washing machine. That is not expensive work. I mean, it it does cost money, but it's not expensive. And if you've got six point if you got six point nine billion dollars to study the mating patterns of butterflies, you can study. You can clean out the ditch. You got money to clean out the ditch. Preventative it's, maintenance. Yeah, that's probably. And so, if it takes a federal grant, if it takes some kind of federal monies to get these, I don't think that's the whole issue. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I, that's going to be a localized. I mean, if you've got a, a drainage, if you've got a, a, a drainage ditch that is clogged, it's going to be. It's going to create localized flooding. But what we're talking about here is not localized. No, it's flooding. widespread. This is not localized flooding. So I'm not sure if we've got. Um, I'm not sure if we've got a. Um, you know, I'm not sure if we have a fix. I'm not sure if there's something that we can do that is a fix. But that needs to be a priority. It is time for us to figure out if there is something that we can do uh, to fix that problem and and get that thing. Do what we can do and find the money because frankly, you know, if you're if you're talking about, for instance let's talk about I-73. I mean, I don't know if somebody made the remark to me and I think it might've been I'm trying to remember who it was. It was somebody who was uh, thinking about running for office and I want to attribute the remark to them because um, anyway, I just want to attribute it. But he said, you know, I-73 is going to be a super highway that will bring us more visitors in, into an area where the roads already cannot support the traffic that we have. You know, and I don't know if you've, if you've uh, ridden, I'm just going to give you an example: a, a road that I use every day, Grissom Parkway. Yeah. If you ride Grissom Parkway, its length from south to north, you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to uh, get your front end realigned. I mean, it's just chock full of potholes. So we're not really taking care of the roads. We we we've got to work on the infrastructure that we have. Right. We don't have infrastructure in place sufficient to support. The people that I-73 would bring in and the roads that we have already need. And I'm thinking, where, where's all the gas tax money going? Where is the money that was supposed to pay to fix these potholes? Grissom Parkway is a mess. I, I mean, 17. Business is a mess. You have to kind of memorize where the potholes are right. and, and avoid them. So we've got a lot of uh, work to do in front of us, folks. But we've got to figure out um, if anything can be done on this flooding issue. And, and, and let's make that a priority. And, and like I said, if we're spending $1.9 trillion on all the nonsense that Congress is spending money on, we ought to be able to get, we ought to be able to get some money uh, to direct that. For that kind of money, we could build a levy. I mean, I mean, whatever it takes. Well, and you know, a lot of times, Glenn, when people try to, when man tries to fix issues like flooding, Mm -hmm. we wind up digging a revetment or digging a diversion canal or setting up a levee, and we actually do something that makes it worse Mm. so i think we need to be careful about what the fix is we need to make sure we believe that it'll actually be a fix but that that's got to be a priority so folks it's saturday morning coffee i'm reese boyd that's glenn dye stick with us coming up right after this break we're going to be talking to dave wilson with palmetto family council and uh Look forward to talking with Dave. So stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town.
4: Bass kicked in
0: fingers off saturday morning coffee call the show at 843-903-2945 the reese boyd radio hour returns after these on talk 94.5 saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour on talk 94.5
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.35 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sharing it with us. Here on Saturday Morning Coffee, we are talking about the continual flooding that we've experienced and continue to experience here in O'Ree County, low-lying areas, particularly areas like Rosewood and Sockes-Tee and low-lying areas along the Waccamaw. And frankly, we'll be talking to Ken Richardson later in the program. <laughs> Ken's, Ken's house at Lee's Landing Circle, I'm pretty confident, is accessible only by boat at the moment. So I'll be be interested to talk about this issue with Ken because not only is he running for Congress, but he is personally affected. Yep. Um, I mean, when he gets up in the morning, he's got to go door boat boat car car to wherever he's going. That's his uh, that's his daily commute. So. And let's ask him when he's on. Why yeah.
2: he still lives there? Why do you go through this? I mean, I know river well, I, Light... I know
1: I know people who have lived on the river for generations, yeah. Glenn, and they don't want to move. I understand that. But I mean, my sister's lived in Rosewood for twenty years. She didn't want to move. His, my, her husband's family has lived there longer than that. So, but how many times can you go through fixing the same house over
2: and over? It's got to be oh, she's really draining like, on your mental
1: capacity i call, mean. My, call my sister she's she's that how many ever times she's fixed fixed her house that's the number <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's not she's like she's laid down the law um folks checking in on the pcrxcomputers.com text line kenny the equipment guy every problem has a solution might not always be what we're happy with but if we keep filling in the low-lying land and drying up the swamp it will only get worse uh, good point kenny Ke- keith parker checking in make sure you mention the ditches and loss of all our ditches, which is the reason for much of this flooding. I watched it for many years <clears throat> until we started covering them up after the uh, accident with the motorcycle in the ditch in front of the food line. I'm, I don't remember yeah. that one exactly. But, yeah, I, I, I get your point, Keith. A lot of those ditches are now underground. They're, you know, they're supposed to maintain capacity, but you know that's another question. You know, one thing I did notice, and, and this is another thing that got me thinking this week, is uh, McMaster was talking about an appropriation. And I think the lieutenant governor uh, may have mentioned this on the show. But I think there's a um, part of the things that they have done, if, if, that, if I can use that word in quotes, air quotes, y'all can't see them, done, is an appropriation of 200 million, I believe it's 200 million for tree planting. Well, when I heard that, the amount of water that is recycled by a, you know, by a typical tree at maturity, it's, a, it's an astounding amount of water, folks, for example, by a, a, a mature oak tree, for example, or even a pine tree it's an astounding amount of water that the tree will process and push back into the air. And so I thought about the fact that every time I drive around and I'm, I'm not I'm not saying, I, by the way, I'm, I'm I'm all about property rights and your ability to do what you want to do with your property. I think that's a fundamental liberty that, that we have to preserve. But on the other hand, every time I see one of these subdivisions, being developed and they're all over. Mm-hmm. What is the first thing they do? Take down all the trees. They clear cut the land, Lamp. and so maybe part of the solution is to develop a development plan and make that part of the process, where we say somehow you've got to preserve some of the some trees. portion of the trees. Right. And I know they say, well, we come back and we replant trees, but my guess is, and this is a purely speculative uninformed <laughs> untutored opinion is that the trees that are planted at the beginning of a subdivision's development are not in any way comparable to the trees that were there they're not mature yeah they're six foot tall they're saplings
2: and i had a friend that's moving to one of those uh, neighborhoods that everything's gotten knocked down no trees no nothing except the man-made lake there yeah and she said oh but they're gonna plant trees yeah and i'm like n- well you won't really n- feel the impact of those trees in your lifetime it's going to take a long time. They're going to be little trees.
1: Yeah, that's one thing that my wife and I love about our neighborhood. It's an old school neighborhood, and the trees that are there are hundreds of years old. And mine as well. Yeah, and so, and you just you 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 get beautiful houses in a new neighborhood, but you can't. No amount of money is going to get you a three hundred year old oak tree hmm. in your front yard, or like my backyard. I've got hundred
2: foot, you know, pine trees in my backyard. Yeah,
1: so. My good friend Al Allen reminding me on, on, on my text line that we have trees all around the Conway Airport and it still floods. And that's a good point. And, yeah. I, and I, think, um, I think, yeah, I'm not saying trees are the only answer, Al, no. and everybody else. I'm just saying there's something, you know, the intro music on the way in was uh, David Gray. says, honey, I'm not one to complain. And I'm, I'm not one to complain and I'm not complaining. But, but we together as a group, as a society have got to come together and study this uh, somebody i think it's tommy uh, texting in saying where, where are the impact studies yeah. who are the people responsible for those studies we've got to come together and and study this issue continue the work of the floodwaters commission but somehow some way we've got to identify something that can be done and maybe at the end of the day the only thing that can be done is we just buy those people out at Rosewood and we just buy them out and we encourage them to move elsewhere and in the, and in the other areas. So, but it needs to be done and it needs to be a priority. And in my opinion, it's more of a priority it's a lot more of a priority than studying the mating habits of butterflies or wherever wherever that 1.9 million is going.
2: Or dredging. Or, yeah. You know, maybe maybe, maybe dredging is the answer. Yeah. so uh, Making it deeper, holds
1: more water, it doesn't spill out. Yeah. So, folks, we are now joined here on the program by uh, a good friend of mine, Dave Wilson. Dave is the president of Palmetto Family Council. Palmetto Family is a great organization, has been working in... Columbia since, uh, I believe, the 80s, if I'm not mistaken, working to preserve uh, the family and to make uh, South Carolina a family-friendly place. Those of us who understand that the family is the building block of our society, our culture, our country, everything that is good uh, is uh, ordained through that basic unit of uh, a man, a woman, and their their children, and it's a uh, building block upon which everything else is constructed. And Palmetto Family has been defending that, defending life, and basically standing up for uh, faith-based values in South Carolina now for the better part of, I believe, at least three decades, if not more. And uh, I've been on the board uh, for Palmetto Family for probably half that time and have come to know many wonderful folks across the state through my work on behalf of Palmetto Family. But Palmetto Family is just a great organization. Uh, You can find them if you Google Family. Or just go to PalmettoFamily.org. I believe uh, you'll learn a lot about what's going on, what's happening at the Capitol. But we are joined today by uh, uh, Palmetto Family's president, Dave Wilson. Good morning, Dave. How are you?
5: I'm trying to enjoy my coffee while I'm sitting here listening to you all talk about flooding waters. I've been driven through the rain in Charlotte last night. You got a lot of water coming your way.
1: Yeah, that that's for sure. That's uh, one thing that is uh, on our minds down here, Dave. We we've got some areas of, of, of the county that just seem to continually flood, and there just doesn't seem to be a solution <clears throat> in sight. And and we're just trying to figure that out. And it's not a not a happy conversation, but it is what it is. And and the folks that are living through it uh, deserve uh, the attention that we can give it. So we've been absolutely yeah, talking about that this morning. So I'm, I thank you for uh, joining us. Dave, why don't you give a, a brief story uh, who you are and, and tell us briefly what Palmetto Family is all about from your, for, your for, perspective. For those,
5: of you, for those of you who don't know, Reese and I crossed paths 30 years ago, as a matter of fact, in Governor Carol Campbell's office and, uh, and, and have, have been weaving paths around each other for a very long time. You know, Reese, as, as you know from when we talked when I joined the, the organization this year. Now, I'm a recovering journalist, so I look at everything through that eye and through that lens of what does this really mean for people? What is this really that's going on here? And in our first – you know, in the first 50 days of this year, we've, we've accomplished more on the conservative front than I think we have seen in the last five years. The yeah. last 50 days have, have really shown us what can happen when conservative-minded people come together and look for solutions to problems, look for solutions to issues and say we're going to stand united on – this issue
6: mm-hmm.
5: and, and what's going on. Prime example of this was Thursday of last week. We, uh, not this past Thursday, but Thursday before, we watched Governor McMaster sign what is the strongest pro life legislation in South Carolina history into law and in, in the state house lobby with the uh, fetal heartbeat bill.
1: Yeah. Amen to that.
5: 110 out of yeah. 170 members of the General Assembly. Voted in favor of that bill, and two of them couldn't make it in there because they were one was sick and the other was had to be gone for a family issue. Mm -hmm. So we have we can recognize now what we have when we put a conservative majority in the House and the Senate, and we know that we've got people who come together to stand behind them and say, We're going to be supporting this legislation and we're going to be supporting you in your local communities and, and working through what we know to be. The process of creating legislation. We tell people all the time: listen, you you don't necessarily want to know how the sausage is made, but but sausage and grits takes really good in the morning. Yeah. So let the people <laughs> who are working on the legislation work on the legislation. Yeah. And we will come alongside and and help you to understand how that starts applying in your life. So yeah. that's a major major thing that we've been working on.
1: Um, and there's a lot more to talk about, uh, Dave. We've got to run into a quick break to uh, gather a little profit. Uh, from our sponsors can we uh, get you to hold on with us for a few moments absolutely all right folks we're talking to dave wilson with Palmetto family council and after these words from our sponsors we'll be right back with more saturday morning coffee i'm reese boyd don't leave town
0: and more the reese boyd radio hour is now two full hours more reese means more coffee coming up next on talk 94.5 you're listening to the reese boyd radio hour saturday morning coffee on talk 94.5
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.50 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sharing your Saturday morning with us. And remember, it is your Saturday morning, at least until somebody takes it away from you. It is uh, a pleasure this morning to be talking to Dave Wilson. Dave is president of Palmetto Family Council in Columbia. We're talking about the heartbeat bill and other recent uh, victories that conservatives have seen in the General Assembly in Columbia. And of course, uh, Dave, thanks for joining us. The heartbeat bill bans, as I understand it, abortions once a fetal heartbeat is detected, which also, I believe, occurs at six to eight weeks into a pregnancy. Right. Uh, um, and but it, but that bill has already been, or the law. It's I keep referring to it. Uh, I'm, I'm still it's so hard, to, it's hard I know. to switch gears here. I, I'm, I've, I've spent so many years talking about mm. the heartbeat bill. It's really it is now a law. But the law was immediately challenged, as was anticipated by Planned Parenthood or somebody, uh, tell us, do you know what the status of that challenge is where that stands? I know there was a temporary injunction issued.
5: A temporary injunction that was issued by a judge in the fourth circuit that has, that's a temporary one. So it lasts for two weeks or so. And then it, there's a case that's going to be heard. The thing that we were looking at is, you know, we were expecting this to happen. It, it held off abortions for about 12 to 14 hours before, you know, the, the, the judge came back and, and put an injunction on that. And the thing that most people don't realize, Reese, is in South Carolina, there are 100 children, South Carolina children aborted in South Carolina every single week. 100. Uh-huh. Yeah. When you look at the total number of children from South Carolina parents that are aborted, there's, a, there's 200 because they go across the border. They go, you know, from... Sure. From your location, they may go up to, they may cross to North Carolina. They may go down to Beaufort. If you're in Savannah, if you're in Charlotte or Rock Hill, you're going to go up to Charlotte. And so there are 200 South Carolinians that lose their life every single year since 1970. We have lost 531,000 South Carolinians to abortion. Yeah, and that is just the stat that most people don't look at in its totality.
1: Well, and and and, and expand that out. Dave, to nationwide since Roe v. Wade became the law of the land in 72, I think the most accurate numbers that I've seen are like almost 60 million, 60 million or more. Yeah. And they don't really know, I think, the exact number, but it's just become the culture of death. You know, I mean, I think liberals wanted us to believe abortion was going to be safe, legal and rare. But but 60 million is not a rare number that that, that doesn't say rare that that says, uh, you know, the culture of death is what that says. You know?
5: Well, there are economists Reese, who tell us that if we were to have a working population that was from that age up, that working population had they been allowed to live, we would have enough money flowing into our economy to basically offset our national debt. And that's just an amazing fact, right there. You know, this the, the the unintended consequences here yeah. is the fact that when you take sixty million people out of an economy. You have, you're not producing and you are running up national debt on top of the fact that this is really the core value of life in and of itself. So.
1: So, so we've got the heartbeat law. I'm still trying to get my arms around that. The heartbeat law. And what else? You mentioned four or five conservative victories that you were really proud of in the last just couple of weeks in the general assembly what else else can we talk about briefly
5: we're really moving forward on a couple of things right now say women's sports is a big issue that's going on in the south carolina house right now that women compete in women's sports and men compete in men's sports it seems rather obvious to us especially when you start taking a look at title nine and the fact that we create women's sports and things like that Mm -hmm. but you have an issue right now of transgenders the transgenderism of a biological male racing as a a gender-identified female. And that has, has a huge impact on what can happen when it comes to sports, when it comes to educational opportunities, and things along those lines that really have an impact. And so, you know, transgender population in South Carolina seems to be a relatively small number right now, less than 5%. But when you begin to look at the teen population those who are identifying as what they call lgbtq plus can be upwards of 20% and so it becomes a question then of what are they doing right now to to do that we we listened in the in the house debate about the fact that they're wanting to inject hormones into kids that are 3 to 11 years old mm-hmm. and you're sitting there going an 11 year old getting getting hormone therapy it's just well, unreal well and, and
1: the idea that 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 would be binding that the, that the, you know, the same people and I most people may not realize this, Dave, but there is a bill pending in the General Assembly that says in order to run girls track. Not, I mean, just using that as an example, but in order to run right. girls track, you have to be a girl. I mean, l- let that sink in, folks. I mean, let that sink in. You, it's, In order to play girls sports, you have to be a girl is actually a bill that we have to enact in the General Assembly. And it's almost, you know, the thing that baffles me, Dave, the same people who will tell you that a four-year-old or a five-year-old can look at their parents if they're a biological girl and say, Mom and Dad, I'm a boy, and I want to, you know, and somehow that they have to start having hormone therapy. The people who will tell you that the the child ought to have the say and the final answer in that discussion are the same people who will tell you that an 18-, 19-, or 20-year-old is not old enough to understand that when they borrow money to go to college that they're going to have to pay that money back so the student loan should be forgiven. I mean, the, the same people who are telling you the first thing will also tell you the second thing. And
5: I mean, let's be honest, science on this one is really clear. The prefrontal cortex of the brain is not fully developed until the mid-20s. So the reality is, how in the world can we rely upon a child to be able to turn around and say, "I feel this way"? Guess what? Feelings yeah. are things that come and go. Yeah. Reality is that those hormones are become a major part. And the thing about it is this: there, we have certain places, especially in following some studies that are going on over in the UK right now, where you have children who are being given hormone replacement or hormone suppression therapy after their very first visit to a doctor that in and of itself should make us take pause on yeah. this for a moment and go, you're going to change and impact that child for life yep. with those decisions.
1: Absolutely. And, and there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of reckoning in the future for when these kids become of age and and really can make their own decisions. Dave, we're going to have to head into a hard break. If folks want to get involved with the work of Palmetto Family Council, which I strongly encourage uh, everybody to do, how can they find Palmetto Family, and how can they get in touch with you if they need
5: to? Visit us at palmettofamily.org. Always feel free to email me, Dave, D-A-V-E, at palmettofamily.org. And I do want to let people know we have a very important, uh, very exciting event coming up on April the 29th, Vice President Mike Pence will be, uh, we'll be joining us to headline an event that we're going to be holding in Columbia that night. So that's Thursday, April the 29th at 7 o'clock at Columbia Convention Center. Yeah, You, uh, got, the, you got the scoop on that one, Reed. Yep. Thank you, Dave. We'll, we'll, con-
1: we'll continue to push that on the show, and we encourage folks to come to Columbia and be with Mike Pence and Palmetto Family on April the 26th, you said? April 29th. 29th. April 29th. Field trip! Yeah. Dave, thanks for joining us. It's Dave Wilson, folks. We'll be right back uh, with more Saturday Morning Coffee. Don't leave town.
7: One hour heating and air. We only hire the humblest and most honest people in the business, who are also truly great HVAC technicians. Humblest and most honest technicians deserve the best work deal in the business. In your first year here, you'll make between twenty dollars to thirty dollars an hour, plus tips and bonuses. Company-paid health care, dental, and vision. 401k. Two weeks paid vacation that you can take anytime, even in summer. Eight paid holidays. Company vehicle to drive home. Free gas. Free cell phone and iPad. A Tool allowance. Free ongoing training for advancement. And guaranteed 40 hours a week, year round. With 16,000 annual maintenance visits, we don't have an off season. But we do have several flexible schedules you can choose from. So everyone here gets enough time each week to spend with their family. We're talking to you, great heating and air technicians. Who are humblest and most honest. Apply online. Go to onehourmagic.com.
0: Conservative Alternative. This is 94.5. WTKN. Murrell's Inlet. Myrtle Beach. The right choice for conservative insight. Thanks for waking up with Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.
4: Where are you now when darkness seems to end?
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 8.07 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking around for the second cup hour of Saturday Morning Coffee. Look up, child. Sometimes that's all you can do is look up. Um, Joined here in the studio this morning by a very special guest. I want to thank Dave Wilson before I move on. I want to thank Dave Wilson with Palmetto Family for joining us here on the program very helpful and informative interview. And I want to encourage you guys to Google Palmetto family or check them out at palmettofamily.org. They are doing wonderful work. I've served Palmetto family on their board of directors for, I think about 10 or 12, maybe even 15 years. It is just a great organization. They do great work. And, uh, you know, I was curious when the heartbeat bill, um, was finally passed after a lot of work by a lot of people over many years it's always curious to me the people who jump out and get their picture taken with the governor and who want to take responsibility for for something when it happens and palmetto family is not always at at the front and center of the uh, of the let's uh do a photo op and take credit circle that's not there that's not maybe the thing that they do best but i can assure you palmetto family on these issues is behind the scene working in Colombia as effectively, more effectively, in my opinion, than any organization uh, that is out there. So I encourage you guys to check out Palmetto Family and get involved with their work and, more importantly, support, or just as importantly, support Uh, their efforts uh, financially, if you can. But now we are joined here in the studio by a very special guest, my friend Ken Richardson, who is chairman of the O'Ree County School Board. And also, coincidentally, he just added another line item to his resume. He is, as of a couple of weeks ago, an official declared candidate for, uh, I believe, political office. Am I not mistaken? That's correct. That's correct. Real real excited. You're a glutton for punishment, aren't you? No, you know what? I love meeting people. (laughs) I well, do. This will give you a good chance to meet everybody. <laughs> yeah, you, you can uh, you can meet everybody in the seventh district, which is a big district. Remind people what the seventh district is.
8: Well, you know, the seventh district right now uh, is made up of uh, eight counties, and it goes from Horry County uh, all the way up to the Chesterfield McBee area. So uh, it's it's a pretty good uh, pretty good size district. I think it's uh, roughly seven hundred and fifty thousand people in the district. You you got a lot of babies to kiss. <laughs> There's a lot of babies to kiss, but uh, I tell you what, I, I enjoy meeting people, and uh, I was fortunate enough to retire when I was younger. So I've tried to try to give back to the community, and, and I just enjoy
1: doing it. Well, Ken, before we get to that, and I would love to talk to you more about uh, Congress and what you think Congress can do, and and especially what you would do if you are sent to Washington. But you know, we've been talking about flooding. And that's kind of something that's been on my mind this week. Uh-huh. Uh, governor was, you know, talking about I, I saw the governor at a press conference talking about money that he had appropriated for planting trees. And it just occurred to me that <clears throat> it doesn't seem to me that since the flooding really became the focus, theoretically, a couple of years ago, doesn't seem to me that we've done a whole lot. And But you've got some personal experience here. You, li- you <laughs> yeah. live on the river. I do. I and do. It's, in fact, uh uh, actually, uh, I'm actually
8: I actually serve on the flood commission uh, for the the local flood commission, and the count- we ha- the county a, the county flood yeah. commission and, okay. and I we had a meeting last Friday, and unfortunately I had to miss it because I was in the process of having to move out of my house, and uh, because my, because it was uh, oh I'm flood I've got four and a half <laughs> feet of water under my house right now uh. but uh, luckily the ha- my house is up in the air so uh, we don't really get any damage other than the inconvenience of having to move out
1: yeah. But you've lived on the Mall long enough to have a sense so, of this. Yeah, thirty-five
8: years. Yeah, thirty-five and years. And so, on the is Waccamaw. is the
1: problem? It's not our imagination that the problem seems to be getting worse. Well, I can I can put it this way. Uh,
8: I'd say the first thirty years I was on the mall, I had to move out one time mm-hmm. in thirty years, and then uh, in the last five years I've had to move out six times. So, so it, it it's six
1: get, six and five versus one and thirty. Right,
8: exactly. It's it's kind of getting to the point now where, uh, you know, you get you figure every time you get two inches of rain, you're gonna get about a foot uh, of water in the river, and then uh, you know when the the Welcome All, for example, and I'm using Conway numbers, uh, it, it it'll average between seven and eight feet yep. most of the time. So mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know you get a you get an eight inch flood event, you're gonna you're gonna be at flood stage. Uh, it's going to bring it to flood stage generally.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, I I grew up in Conway, or maybe some would say Upper Conway, Lower Aynor, but right. yeah, uh, UCLA. I remember on Long Avenue in Conway, there used to be a sign when I was a kid. It was a flood sign, and right. it said the hundred-year floodplain is like, and it, and there was an actual level printed there on the sign. It was three or four feet right. off, off the ground. It said the hundred-year floodplain is this level, and the whole time I was growing up, I don't think I it, I, I don't think it ever flooded to that level but in the last 20 years can that sign if it's not even there but if that sign was still there it would have been underwater at least a dozen times in the last oh know, oh without a, yeah. uh,
8: without a doubt without uh, a doubt i mean in, in fact uh my mom and my sister live out long avenue and they're having to drive around now because mm-hmm. they can't drive long avenue because yep. it's flooded out highway yep. 905 is closed yep. uh over yep. in conway now yeah uh it's uh it's a sad thing because you know they they they've been talking about doing studies and doing some of this other things and I I can tell you this uh, that the answer is not uh, uh, buying people out because there's a lot of people that live on the river that don't want to be bought out yeah you, know, you got right. some families that are generations they've owned property on the river and uh, you know uh, and on top of that I don't know that the government can afford uh, to come in and just buy you know. Everybody, everybody out of the river. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't expect them to come in and buy me out. I'm, I'm You know, my house is—I've got a mile on the river and, I mean, roughly 200 acres. I don't think they could come in and afford to buy that piece of property when they could go somewhere like Rosewood or somewhere like that that's in some serious trouble and, uh, and buy a lot more people out for what it would take to buy just my one piece out.
6: Yeah, man.
1: Well, and it may be something that can't happen at one time, and maybe it's something that has to be phased in. And I, you know, there are lots of ways I think to get at the issues. But what do you, if if buying people out is not the answer, what is the answer in your mind?
8: Well, I think you know, and I've said this to a lot of people. We have technology now that we didn't have twenty five, thirty, forty years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, and I know when you mention the word study, uh, a lot of people, especially if you live on the river, and I'm one of you. Uh, you get tired of hearing people say well we're going to study this or going to study that and you know like uh i had a good friend of mine his good old country boy over in Aynor, told me he said well you know you take a five gallon bucket and uh, you fill it full of water it holds five gallons but you take that same five gallon bucket and you put some sticks and sand and everything else in it and it might not hold but two and a half gallons of water cool. so so you know so that kind of kind of lets you know that there needs to be some some dredging some cleaning dredging. out done uh, uh i i think it's a combination of a lot of things but but uh i i just read last week that the corps of engineers now have, have agreed that that something needs to be done and Good. you know so uh
2: you know we we do have something some people needs that, to be done well yeah. he, he just said we've yeah. been talking about this for a long time the, what we need to do is act. Stop well, talking. Let's, let's well, get this done. But dredging, I think, is a really smart idea because the deeper the water, well, the,
1: the deeper the floor, the more water I, it holds. I will say this, and I'm not a scientist, and I'm not, a, I'm not an engineer, and, and I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn Express <laughs> last night. But I have heard some very smart people, even some on this very program, saying that the dredging of the Intracoastal Waterway will not help. And, and I don't know what the answer is, but I just know that we've got to find something to do to hopefully make it better. And I don't, I don't know what that something is, but we've got to figure that out.
2: When was the last time that the Waccamaw River was dredged? Mm-hmm. Uh, last I heard, I, I want to say it was in the 50s or the 60s
8: Right. that, that, I, that I heard. That's, That's a lot out, of the...
2: sediment. That's a lot of wood. Yeah. There's a lot mm-hmm. of things in there that could be removed and it would hold more water. Yes, on a normal basis, the water level would be lower. But right. it would be maybe prevent flooding,
1: the well, river or the ICW.
2: The I the river, the rivers. You know the ICW. Yeah, we have problems there. But my goodness, that's a deep that's a deep uh, body of water. Not everywhere. Not yeah, everywhere. not everywhere. No, got, um, uh, so maybe it, maybe dredging is and, the. Interest. And remember,
1: the ICW is not a natural flow. I mean, the ICW is just a ditch. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yep so and it does
2: dump into the ocean theoretically eventually
1: you don't you don't typically unless people dump trash into them you shouldn't really have to dredge a river because theoretically the erosion of rainfall and water the the natural flow of the river should take care of itself right Uh, it it should the the problem one of the problems i see is that
8: there's a lot of people it's kind of like two groups out there if you don't live on the river or what will to be honest with you, you don't have to live on the river anymore to be flooded. Amen. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I mean, the, the bottom line is this. A lot of people will go out and say, well, you know, that's not my problem. I'm not I'm not concerned about that because I don't flood. But, right. you know, there's a lot of people that bought houses that, that didn't flood when they bought them, and now those houses are consistently flooding. Yeah. So, you know, it, it makes it where uh, it, it's kind of like with me with the school situation. Uh, you know, when I got elected school board chairman— uh, i never knew that i was gonna to have to deal with covid but when covid came you know it changed the ball game for me and it changed the ball game for a lot of them. yeah and and i've had uh you know i ask people all the time i mean you know there's a lot of frustration out there and there's a lot of things that people get upset about but if there's ever a time that people need to come together and try to work together it's 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 through covid yeah. Yeah. And, and and or through the flooding situation or some of the other things yeah but um but you know and, and that's another reason, uh, you know, a lot of people talking about my congressional run, uh, you know, I had planned, I had I had really planned to run for Congress in, in uh, 2012 when that seat was was started. Yeah.
1: Ken, we've got to go into a commercial break. Can you stick with us for sure. a little bit longer? Yes, and, sir. We've got a lot more to talk about, folks. We're talking to Ken Richardson, chairman of the Oree County School Board and also a candidate for Congress here on Saturday Morning Coffee. After these words from our sponsors, we'll be right back with more talk. Stick with us. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town.
0: morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour is now two full hours more reese coming up next on talk 94.5
5: business owners are you concerned about your business computer network and security do you have a safe and secure backup of your company's data hi i'm ryan Foltz, owner of pcrx computer sales and service locally owned and located in conway For a limited time, PCRX Computers is offering no-charge business network evaluations. Want to schedule an on-site appointment? Book your spot today at PCRXComputers.com. I'm Ryan Foltz of PCRX, where we have the right prescription for your computers
1: and your network. Hey, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee,
3: talking with Greg Sisson at the Greg Sisson Team Remax First Choice Real Estate. Thank you, Reese. Super excited to be on board. Uh, I do believe uh, we can bring some information that will serve your audience here, so I'm excited about that. Greg, if folks want to get in touch with you at your office, how can they do that? Really, my cell phone is the best way. It's 843-251-2693. My email is greg at gregsisson.com. That's the website, gregsisson.com.
0: The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5. Gonna close my eyes,
4: girl, watch you go, running through this life, darling, like I feel the snow, Is the tracer glad?
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 822 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. We are talking to Ken Richardson. Ken is the chairman of the O'Ree County School Board. He is also a candidate for Congress uh, coming up in the uh, forthcoming Republican primary. He'll be facing off against Tom Rice, along with some others who have already expressed interest. I don't know if any of the others have filed, but it looks like it'll be a, a a few people in that race. So, Ken, let me ask you a question. Yeah, we haven't talked about the school board. We've been talking about flooding. You know, sometimes I think flooding is just one of those intractable intractable problems that is just going to be with us. But but clearly it's happening way too much, and we've got to see what we can do to, to, to fix it if we can. But I wanted to ask you about the school board. I, I, I caught this story in, of all places, the Washington Post Uh Ken, it says, in North Carolina, state education official told state lawmakers in December that more than 10,000 students are presently unaccounted for. But by that, I mean not participating in the, in the process. New Mexico could not account for more than 12,000 students at the start of their school year, children who were enrolled before the pandemic but never showed up in the fall. This month, the state's education department reported that more than, more than 2,700 students were still missing – what do you think has the has the education system let our kids down through this pandemic? And what do you what do you what are your concerns long term for the kids that have had to go through all this? What, what are your thoughts on? And, and I and I, I will also point out I saw an interview with the uh, I forget her name, the lady who is the the president of the teachers union. And she said, oh, kids are resilient. This is going to be OK. I, I think that's a, a, a terribly dismissive comment. That 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 lacks uh, an appreciation for what this really ought to be about, which is the kids. Exactly, you know? exactly. And, and long term, what have we got here? Have We got a problem on our hands. Is this going to work out? What do you What do you see as happening? And have we done our kids a disservice through all this? Well, it's it's been tough. Uh, the, the The people that's really
8: had the disservice has, has been the parents because you know parents were not a- equipped and set up to start teaching the children. Uh, they're used to. You know, getting the children ready in the morning, dropping them off at school, feeling like they're dropping off in a safe environment, leaving them with us, and, and letting them be educated. And then, you know, last March, everything went haywire, and we sent the children home, and the next thing you know, we're asking the parents to to do the teaching. Um, you know, when you talk about tracking children, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a tough thing to do. Uh, uh, we had a situation, I remember, a little over a year ago uh, where we had one school. I think it was Socrates Elementary and I was over there, and we had 16 kids come in in one day. Uh, yeah. And I want to say it was either from either Guatemala or Nicaragua. I'm not sure exactly which, exactly mm-hmm. which one of the two. Yeah. But we had 16 kids come in in one day. And then when you get in a situation where you send all the children home and, and you're having to ask the parents to step up and help uh, uh, do the education, you know, it, it, it's easy to lose track of children because they're not checking in at the schools. And there's a lot of things. There's a lot of reasons that the children need to be in school. Not not uh, education is one of them, but also uh you know they need that uh they they need that interaction with other children with their friends. Uh there's a lot of times that children have things going on at home that, that you wouldn't know about if the children didn't come to school and we find out at school. Yeah. And uh and I tell people this all the time. You know, it was, uh COVID hit last March. And since last March, you know, we haven't lost any children to, to, to COVID as far as – I'm talking about losing them as far as uh, death. Fatality. Fatalities. Yeah. But but we have lost, uh, I think, four to suicide. And uh, and then you got – You got bullying. And, and there, was bullying.
1: A, there was an article in the Charleston uh, Post and Courier that that is becoming – we have a mental health crisis. Oh, absolutely. Amongst our youth. Absolutely. And, and they attribute it to what we've done with the schools well you know and I'll, I'll be honest you know we've
8: worked hard to try to get these kids back in school because if you if you know uh, i told someone not too long ago i took a call from a parent and i take a lot of calls and a lot of emails during the course of a week and uh, and when i got off the phone with this parent i remember uh, I, I made a call out to the district because i was trying to help them with it and i told him, i said listen if if this parent that call me is talking to their children the way they just talked to me. We've got to get these kids back in school because because the parents are frustrated too. Yeah, and uh, but you, but I can't
1: say you should blame them. Right now, there's a lot of frustration going on everywhere. So uh, so where are we exactly in the process of getting school back into a normal mode? Where, well, where are we in that process?
8: Well, we've got all all of the elementary kids are are back in school. Uh, that, and then we have five, five days a week. Five days a week. Okay. Uh, we've got, we just opened up four more middle schools this past, or get ready to open up this coming week. We opened up four last week. Uh, by March the 15th, we'll have everybody back in school. That's, that's middle schoolers and high schoolers. So everyone will be back by March the 15th. Full time. Cool time. Do, well, the, yeah. do the
2: parents have a choice whether their kids have to go back to school or can continue virtual well, learning?
8: Y- y- well, the, the parents signed up for either virtual or brick-and-mortar. That was done uh, back about a month ago. Uh, mm-hmm. well, it was done at the beginning of school, and then it was done again about a month ago. So they do get the opportunity to decide if they want their child to stay home right. virtual or if they want to go to brick-and-mortar. What we have found out is since a lot of kids have started going back to school, a lot of parents now are wanting to try to switch over and go back to brick yeah. and mortar. That makes yeah. sense. Uh, and and, you know, and thank goodness, uh, you know, we were talking about it earlier, yeah. thank goodness the governor has has eased some restrictions, which is going to make it a lot easier on me. Because last year, I mean, uh, the board and myself, we spent almost a month trying to figure graduations out. Yeah. So now the governor's lifted some restrictions so we can get more people uh, into us into an area. And uh, and that should help us with our graduations this
1: year. Right. So so Ken, before we run out of time, we still haven't talked about uh, item three on the agenda, which is if you run. Why is Ken Richardson running for Congress? And if you are elected, what sort of Congress? What 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 will you do in Washington? Well, for the folks of the Seventh. We'll, district? Well, Rich, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to
8: listen to the folks, and mm-hmm. uh, and what I mean by that is. Uh, you, you know, you're not a very good congressman if you don't know what at least seven out of every ten of your constituents are thinking. I mean, that's – you know, I do believe that when – you know, if you'll go back and look, when the Constitution was drawn up, I believe I believe the drafters known uh, knew that at one time they would reach a point that the people would be smarter than the people that were in Washington making the decisions. Mm-hmm. And that time has happened. That time is right Came now. Amen to that. That time mm-hmm. has happened. Yeah. And so what we need to do – a congressman's job. I mean, I know you have to go to Washington and you have to do some thinking, but I can tell you, all you've got to do—the most important thing you've got to do—is go and vote the way your constituents want you to vote. That's why they voted you in there. And I can tell you right now, and 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 I'm I'm speaking of of the seventh congressional district right yeah. now, the seventh congressional district. They, you know, we went over seventy-one percent for Donald Trump in this area, seventy-one percent. Uh, and I know uh, Congressman Rice made a comment the other day. In fact, I've got a good a big postcard uh, that I had made up, and uh-huh. he said in that that uh, that if Trump ran today, that he probably wouldn't win Horry County. Well, I, I I've yeah. got a feeling that he is, uh, you know, he that's not reality. Yeah. In reality, I got a feeling that Trump would do just as strong, if not stronger, than he did. Stronger. And, yeah. and, and and the the bottom line is, you need to vote the way your voters w- picked you to vote. Yeah. And a uh, uh, prime example is I-73. Uh, Reese, you were at an event the other night that I spoke at, and I, I say this all the time. You know, uh, Interstate 73 is an important thing. A lot of people talk about it. I'm not against Interstate 73, but I'm going to need at least 70%, 80% of my voters tell me that's what they want me pushing for. Yep. Because, you know, like I said, why do we need a road? Why do we need an interstate to get you here quicker so you can sit in local traffic longer?
1: And and, (laughs) that's uh, that's a very good I mean, we need we need
8: to fix. We've got a lot of infrastructure problems here locally that we need to fix first.
1: Yeah. Well, and and as I said, I don't know that there is an infrastructure solution uh, to the problem. Um, You know, one of our listeners, Larry Biddle, texting in this morning saying that the diversion canal, he thinks, is part of the solution. But if there is an infrastructure solution, I put flooding now on par with any other problem that we have in this county. You know, it, I, I, I do. Uh, now,
8: I will tell you this. Uh, my passion has always been education. Yeah. And I think when I go to Washington, that's going to be my number one thing is education because, you know, uh, we're in a situation now uh, and, you know, they've already taken, uh, you know, God is not in school like he used to be. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to take history out of schools. And at some point, you know, it, we're going to need somebody in Washington, Washington trying to work on on what we're going to do to get to give the power back to the local communities and the local states to make decisions on what's going on in the schools. I mean common core like that. common core was yeah. a horrible thing, guys. Yeah. It was horrible. Oh yeah. And, and and we and these children, you know, they they need some guidance, but they don't need that guidance from the federal level. What we need from the federal level is money. If they've got enough money that they can ship it off to all these other countries, by goodness, they can send enough money to Ory County. You, you Amen know, to I mean, that. You know, get... let's, let's send some money here. Let's, let's use that money to get education like we need. Uh, let's get the money to, to fix our local roads. And let's get the money to, to, to work on the flooding issues. Amen. Let's put so, America first. That's America right. first.
1: So, Ken, if folks want to get in touch with your campaign, how can they do that? Just go to www.kenforcongress.com. All right. Ken, thanks for joining us today, folks. It's Ken Richardson, O'Ree County School Board Chair and candidate for Congress. Ken, great to be with you. Come back anytime. Thank you, Rich. I appreciate it, guys. Folks, it's Saturday Morning Coffee. Stick with us after these words from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more Saturday Morning Coffee. Don't leave town.
0: Talk Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team. So, Greg, I've got a question for you. There are lots of real estate agents in this town. If somebody has property that they need help selling, why should they choose the Greg Sisson team?
3: Well, that's a great question, and there are tons of realtors right now in the marketplace. Reese, I think it boils down to three things, better communication, more people. more peace of mind and we handle all the details and that's that's certainly what sellers want in today's market and I think experience matters I mean 23 years here locally in the business and we understand pricing even in a hot market it's important to price the property correctly that's a great point Greg folks it's the Greg Sisson team reach Greg
1: at 843-251-2693 or schedule your appointment online at gregsisson.com it's the Greg Sisson team Your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand. Give them a call.
0: Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Full hours on Talk 94.5. One, two, three.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Nothing takes me back like a dark-haired girl in a Cadillac. It's uh, 8.37 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking with us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. You are deep in the seventh inning, folks. We have uh, talked uh, with Ken Richardson this morning. Great conversation. One thing I wanted did not get a chance to uh, uh, talk about much, but we really needed to focus on it a little bit more as this equity act that just got passed by the house of representatives folks. We were talking about that with Dave Wilson. I just wanted to point out that that act, if it becomes law and of course the president's committed to it, I think the question now is becoming, uh, will it make it through the Senate and through a closely divided Senate, uh, it will require uh, a few Republican votes to overcome a filibuster at this moment, as long as we have the filibuster, but, uh, you know, that act will establish a world whereby if there's a young man who goes to school and says, I'm a girl, and, and let's assume he's a fifth grader, he's, he goes to school and he tells the principal, I'm actually a girl. That means that that is the controlling factor in deciding what bathroom he uses, mm-hmm. what classes he enrolls in, whether he plays boys' sports Field or girls' hockey. sports. Yeah, it's it's it is it will totally uproot the world we live in, folks. It is like one of the last one of the last anchors to reality that we have. I mean, if if we go in that direction, it becomes a world where whatever each individual one of us says becomes the reality that all of us must acknowledge and accept. And if you don't see the logical implications of that. Unless you're, unless you are prepared to live in 70 million simultaneous parallel universes, each one of them being recognized as real. If you don't see the problem there, you need to study the issue. It is a very serious problem. And we're going to have to, to continue to confront it at every level, at every opportunity. As I said, there is now a bill pending in the South Carolina General Assembly that says in order to play girls sports, you have to be a girl. I mean, just let that sink in. Think about that. Right now, we're going to switch gears. We are joined on the program by Drew McKissick. Drew is the chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party. Drew joins us here on the program from time to time. Today, we are talking about reorg, and we're also talking about an issue that uh, Drew and I have discussed before, which is kind of a, a, an historic moment here. We're at a watershed moment here in the history of the Republican Party. And where do we go from here? So, Drew, thanks for joining us this morning. How are you?
9: absolutely thank you for having me doing well how
1: about yourself um we're doing great we're uh, enjoying our bones coffee this morning here on saturday morning coffee so thanks for joining us um drew i wanted to ask you i know there's a lot going on and we'll we'll uh try to cover as much as we can here on the program but one of the things that i caught i think a couple of weeks ago you had written an op-ed that i really enjoyed about where the republican party goes from here and you of course. Know know a lot about that. You've been the chairman now uh, of the Republican Party for how many years have you been the chairman?
9: This will be four years. Coming four years.
1: No, yeah. and uh, so we're at a bit of an interesting time in terms of the party and its history and and where we do go from here. What what is your take? And what do you what is your prescription for building the party going forward? And well, where do we where do we go from here?
9: Well, first of all, I, mean, I I wrote the column. It was uh, published in Newsmax. But yeah. If you want to read it, you can just Google Drew McKissick and Newsmax, and it'll yeah. I think be the top uh-huh. item on the search.
1: Yeah, it uh, was it was a very a I very was, a very good column, by the way. And I'll I'll post a link to it on our social media.
9: Thank you. Uh, I wrote the column because after after Election Day and going forward into January, I don't know how many phone calls, interviews that I did from everybody from. The New York Times, Boston Globe, Washington Post, the alphabet suits of, uh, you know, media out there that basically almost all invariably began with the same question, the same type of question. Where does the Republican Party go from here? What what does the party do now, Uh, you know, after, um, uh, you know, what we saw in the November election? And, you know, my point is the question is usually asked by two types of people, either people who, number one, don't like the direction that the republican party has been going so you know sort of the bias is in the question or number two they really just can't do arithmetic uh because when you look at the results of where we've been going for the last four years since donald trump came on the scene has been a growing republican party when we look at the grassroots when you look at the uh election results uh in terms of voters and voter turnout uh i mean i specifically give the example of here in south carolina and i know what i've seen here for the last four years um and in terms of the growth that we've had local party growth uh and election results and you know the the, the biggest measure of um uh, uh, that, that i can point to here in south carolina is what we can't call here straight ticket voting so it's a percentage of people who will pull or the straight ticket uh you know lever so to speak or button as we have it now on our machines uh and vote a straight republican ballot the first time South Carolina Republicans ever beat Democrats on that score was in 2016 when Donald Trump was on the ballot for the first time. We beat them by two and a half points on straight ticket voting statewide. Uh, In 2018, in the midterm elections, we beat them by eight points on straight ticket voting. This past November, we beat them by 17 points on straight ticket voting statewide. That is a measure of these new people who have come to the party because of Donald Trump, because of the issues Trump talked about, and now are more. More and more of them, rather, are considering themselves to be
1: Republicans. Yeah. So I take it your position, and I and I think that's a good one. It's a good spot to be. And is all is not lost. the 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 future is bright for the Republican Party.
9: Well, absolutely. I mean, well, yeah. it well it, it, it's, it's all it always depends on what the party does and what issues it. Chooses to talk about and focus on, and you know what we've seen in the last you know four years is the issues that President Trump focused on and started to talk about, uh, many of which had been ignored by the Washington Beltway crowd for you know upwards of twenty years. Uh, that was a jet fuel that you know, launched his campaign over sixteen other opponents back in the, the two thousand sixteen primaries, mm-hmm. uh, and brought people to our party. Whether it was talking about immigration, whether it was talking about trade and the economy, and whether it was talking about and cultural issues. Those things, people gravitated toward them, and yep. now have gravitated towards our party. Yeah. Well, uh, and to turn around, you know, doing about face on that now would be the worst thing we could do.
1: Amen. I I agree with you. And and Drew, let me ask this question: Now that we live in a world where we have lost the White House, um, we we do not control the House, and I know we've got midterms coming up in a couple of years. Yep. I I can't wait. But we now we we have lost control of the levers of government we don't control the senate we don't control the house we, and we've got this crazy train agenda coming out of the wow. Biden administration that includes things like the equity act which it, you know it sounds pleasant it sounds you know you can't you know you you can't refuse to sell a guy a hamburger because he identifies as a you know a, a, whatever his gender orientation or sexual identity is i mean that sounds harmless enough but when you really get down you don't even have to get too far into the weeds. When you just read the text of the law, you think, "Oh my goodness, yeah. this is crazy." And so, how do Republicans respond to that? What's the best thing? How do how do well, we fight that hey, agenda?
9: It, well, you look at that kind of insanity is coming from the self styled party of science. By the way, I'll point out. Yeah. You know, so whenever you know we talk about uh, energy issues, and or they want to talk about you know so called climate change, and they say, "Well, yeah, you know, we're science deniers." You know, uh, Democrats are the party of science. Well, you know, if you or I die today, a thousand years from now, they can dig our bones up and they can do a test and tell whether you are a male or a female. Amen. Uh, but yet they will—they will, they will the know. They, they'll they'll know. Them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, but they want it to be, you know, uh, it's one thing for for people to have their own fantasy about what they are. It's another thing to legally require everyone else to play along in the fantasy with them. You know, uh, I can say that I'm a seven foot Chinese woman right now, but that doesn't mean you have to treat me like one or agree that I am one. Uh, You know, but this is this is today's party of science. Yeah. Yeah. It's cultural insanity, which we expect from Democrats when they have power.
1: Yeah, It is insanity. Drew, we've got to take a little commercial timeout. Can you stick with us over a break? Okay, folks, we're talking to Drew McKissick, who is the chair of the South Carolina GOP, the Republican Party. And we'll be right back after these words with more Drew and more Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town.
0: Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5. <laughs> Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.
1: Good morning everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 9.49 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking with us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Talking to Drew McKissick. Drew is the chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party and uh, Drew wanted to ask you. Yeah, a lot of folks have been asking questions. I was on Liz's show this week a little bit, and we, a lot of folks were calling in asking about the reorg process. Um, how, how does that, How does the process work? Tell me how the, the party uh, reorganizes itself every year. Can you give us a, a short answer explanation sure. for that? Sure. Well, just
9: for the common person who's never been involved in this process before, uh, the conservative who's sitting out there who wants to have an impact on things that they care about, wants another option, an alternative to do that, this is essentially the party's biennial membership drive. It's probably the easiest way to understand it. Now we have organization meetings, uh, in every county across the state in the month of March. Anybody with a voter registration card and an inclination to join the Republican party is welcome. Uh, uh, we, uh, and of course, you know, from our standpoint, we know what our platform is. We're a conservative party with a conservative platform. Uh, we're looking for more conservatives who want to join our party who, you yeah. want to stand for and the party to continue to stand for an America first agenda. Again, this agenda you and I just talked about yeah. actually helped us see the growth that we've seen in these mm-hmm. recent years. We'll have those meetings in March. Uh, you can go to sc.gop slash get local sc.gop slash get local. Uh, and you can find, you can sign up for uh, updates there, but you can also find uh Horry County or whatever county you may be in a uh, link there with the dates and locations for your meetings. Uh, those meetings will be in March, uh, and you can come join the local uh, organization where you are. You can run for a delegate to, to your county convention or any other local office there in the party, and then potentially be a delegate to our state convention. This is this is where we are reloading for 22, if you will. You know, campaigns, yep. political parties are about manpower, about organization. Uh, so we start in the spring prior to an election year to bring new people into our party to reorganize the infrastructure. So we can prepare for the upcoming election season. So we're getting ready for the twenty-two election season right now.
1: Yeah. And I think that's great. And I, you know, my vision for the party, Drew, I think the party, obviously we want to the party's there to spread the message and 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 spread the mm-hmm. word about conservative values and why the Republican Party has an agenda that is better for America than the alternatives right. that are out there. And and right. so I think that's the first mission and maybe Maybe others might have slightly different priorities for these missions, but the second mission of the party is to recruit people into the party, and and they they sort of learn the political process by getting involved and and volunteering and and helping campaigns, and that's how you recruit people and bring them into the yep. system and help them understand how they get involved and not just how they get involved, but how they run for office. That's how we recruit people to uh, to to step up to the Absolutely. plate.
9: Yeah. I, I'm- Our mission is to promote our platform and to elect candidates who will support it. And we have fundamentals that we do to make that happen, organizing the manpower, uh, communicating our conservative message in a way that will attract other people to our party, and then raising the money to make all of those things happen. That's the fundamentals of what we do. That's our mission. Um, The easiest example that I could give to people who understand what political parties are, political parties in and of themselves don't stand for anything. The people who comprise a political party at any moment in time, they stand for something, yeah. So political parties are a utility; they're a vehicle. Uh, they're like a bus that we get from point A to point B every two years. We pull the bus on the side of the road, people get off, people get on. We talk about where we want to go. We may fight over the steering wheel, and then we drive for another two years. Yeah. So it's in everybody's best interest who's on that bus who cares about where we're going. The bus has got gas in the tank, we got good tires and a good engine, and then we can be successful politically.
1: Yeah, and I will say this, Drew, and I and I I know this has been a a difficult subject, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about, we got a lot of comments this week on the Liz show about, you know, there were some mailers that went out um, from the party in the primary season, uh, last go round that uh, gave the impression that the party was endorsing um, the incumbent in those primaries. And I'm, and I'm, you may, and I'm probably, you're going to tell me, and I'll give you that chance to say that the party didn't endorse anybody, but, but, you know, the, certainly the impression was created, and I want to, I want to say this. I think that it's incumbent upon the party not only to recruit people, you know, to have the courage to step up to the plate and get involved. Because you know, I've run. It takes a lot of courage, and it, you put your family through a lot when you put your name on a ballot, and you know that, and I know that. But it's true. But I believe once somebody does that, once we've recruited people to step into the into the limelight and put themselves on the line like that, I think the party needs to kind of stay out of the way. You know, um, and and not take sides in a primary. Am I wrong there? What's, what's your what's your thought on that?
9: Well, you know, you've, and I'd say ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, you are correct. Uh, and there, you know, occasionally there are instances uh, that go to, for lack of a better way to put it, I guess I would say, our branding. Yeah, we do have to be mindful of our brand and what people think of when they think of the Republican Party and you know the the, the candidates that represent it. Yep. Uh, and what they stand for, um, you know, we've and, you know, it is it is a rare situation. The biggest the biggest example that I could give of that most stark example would be why we have Senator Katrina Sheely in the state Senate in Columbia right now. Yep. Uh, senator Katrina Sheely ran for that seat 10 years ago. Uh, she was a election and county party chairman. She was running against the incumbent Republican senator primary. She ended up being thrown off the ballot along with about 100 other candidates because of, you know, a and some ballot technicalities. But in the end, she ended up running as a petition candidate. Yeah. Uh, in the fall, the state executive committee of the party voted unanimously to endorse Katrina Shealy against the Republican incumbent, who actually won the primary mm-hmm. uh, that year because of. Many of the issue positions and the public statements of Jakey e. Knotts and the way that yeah. essentially the image that he portrayed of the party—it yeah. is an extremely rare circumstance, and I and I think it should be yeah. absolutely. It's just like when we talk about censuring candidates. Yeah, you know, the state parties, you know, took the measure of censoring uh, uh, Tom Representative Rice. Rice. Yeah, we did. Uh, and, you know, it's the kind of thing that some folks say, well, you know, we ought to censure this one for this and this one for this all over the place. But the point is, if you do that every time you have a meeting, censoring loses its, you know, its yeah. uh, uh, in, import, if you will. Yeah. Um, but that was a serious case of uh, essentially standing up for our brand. Yeah. Uh, you know, because of you know, the vote that he took and the impact that that has on and the way that those people you and I talked about a few minutes ago who have come into our party, uh, who want an America First agenda, and the way that they think of the party, and yeah. that they have to see the party actually standing up for, uh, uh, for the president in that case. And um, yeah. I know that he, he was very interested in that whenever he and I talked on the phone about two weeks ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think, you know, it's 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 very interesting, Drew. I, I think the, one of the main purposes of the party is to grow the farm team. And when somebody does step up to the plate, yeah. You know, and and it happened a couple of times here locally in primary elections when the when the party gets involved in the primary and sides with an incumbent. after we've encouraged people to come out and roll up their sleeves and get to work and get involved in the process, I think it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth mouth. And I think I think we really need to avoid it. I think we really need to avoid it. Um, Any any parting comments, Drew, you want to share with the with the listeners about this is our parting wisdom segment. So any parting wisdom you want to share with the listeners?
9: Well, again, we go back to the importance of actually getting involved. You know, it's just one thing I would say is guaranteed in politics is that if you don't get involved, you don't show up, you're guaranteed not to like the result. You're giving up your spot, your seat, if you will, to somebody who's probably not going to think like you do. Uh, So actually showing up, is half the battle, and it's incumbent on you to do that. And once you get involved with other folks who think like you do, you're going to have a bigger impact on uh, on the system and those things that you care about. Uh, This is your opportunity. Again, uh, go to sc.gop slash getlocal, sign up there to get alerts about the uh, meetings in your area, find out when and where they are, uh, and get other folks, again, who think like you do to join you. Yep. Uh, Many hands make light work. And again, this is all about manpower.
1: Yep. Well, Drew, listen, I really appreciate you joining us, folks. It's Drew McKissick, chairman of the state Republican Party. Drew, come back anytime.
9: Yes, sir. Have a good one
1: now. Thank you, folks. Folks, that's Drew. And uh, it's the conclusion of another show. Let me leave you with this bit of wisdom from the Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Folks, that's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next Saturday. (laughs)